I love you. So how many of you are saints? Some of you are a little iffy on this thing still. Listen now. That's what we learned at the, at the start of this little series in Philippians, that you are saints. He addresses the entire church. New believers, old believers, women, men, anyone who has come to Jesus and received that gift from him and been transformed and received that gift, you are a saint. What what a saint simply means, forget about the whole uh, Roman Catholic Church thing. What a real saint is, is one who is set apart from the world to God. That's a saint. And that's you and me. Amen? That's us. And that sets us up for all the other things that we're learning here. We really are to be different. We are supposed to separate ourselves from the world and separate ourselves to him, giving ourselves to him totally. And we talked uh, about the mindset of a saint and uh, the correct conduct of a saint. And uh, tonight, though, we're going to talk about specifically comprehending and pursuing Christian unity, because the unity of us as his children is crucial. It is spoken of over and over and over again in the New Testament. And we learned last week that our our conduct, remember it was supposed to be and should be, worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our conduct ought to line up with the beauty and majesty of of the life-changing reality that is the gospel. That's what we ought to act like. Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So it was already talking about unity there, but it goes on. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. And I want to say to you, probably above most of the other things that were conduct worthy of a saint and worthy of the gospel, is this whole issue of unity, of putting aside differences, of saying no to our selfishness, to our flesh, and being one, working together, being patient with one another, loving one another. Anything less is unacceptable, it's unworthy. In fact, it's truly a mockery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saved us to set us apart. And we now have that joint experience through the blood of Jesus that we are brothers and sisters. And for the sake of the gospel, we need to act like it. And again, anything less than unity is a mockery. Of the gospel. I want to read for you out of John chapter 17. Uh, I'm so glad the Lord took me to this as I was preparing for this sermon because I believe it really reveals the heart of God in regard to the whole issue of unity. Listen carefully as I read this. John 17, 13 to 26. But now I come to you And by the way, this is Jesus talking to the disciples right before he is about to be 
taken off and crucified. And this is, is, is that kind of that last, okay, boys, this is what I really, really want you to know. I want you to catch this, okay? But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that you may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word. He's, he's speaking to the Father here. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Like D continues to, to preach and challenge us, the whole deal isn't done when we accept Christ. Our, our salvation is there, and we are his. But now the work has just started for you and I, that's why he left us. He promises to come back and heaven's there waiting for us and he's going to get us there. He is able. But he left us here because there's work to do. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone. So he's speaking to the disciples now, but listen to this. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but all those also who believe in me through their word. Who's that? That's us. That's you and me. He's asking this specific thing of the Father for you and I and the others who would choose to be Christ's followers later on. Let me read that again. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but, also, but for also, those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. This is the desire of the Father. This is the desire of our Savior. That we all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Listen to that. The unity of the Father and the Son is a beautiful thing to behold. What, what is revealed to us in Scripture is this total, absolute unity. There is no division between the Father, the Son, or the Spirit. They are all distinct, and yet they all work as one. Jesus submitting to the Father totally, and the Spirit carrying on the work in us even today, in each of us, he has sealed us, the Holy Spirit. And they all work as one for their own glory and for our blessing and benefit. I'm going to read verse 21 again. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. 
The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Are you catching this here? This is huge. This is the heart of our God. I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not yet known you, yet I have known you and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. It's this beautiful, together, oneness, unity, love. It's all about love. This is the heart of the Father. I want to suggest to us this evening that a Christian who doesn't value and pursue unity with the body of Christ is at the very least grotesquely ignorant of what it means to be a Christian. And I don't say that to insult anyone. I just, it's so clear. It's so vivid. And he repeats it over and over. And if that, if that does uh, yeah, we don't dare be there. We need to love one another. Now, look at our little passage for tonight, Philippians 2, 1-4. to Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, And make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This is our motivation it says at the start of chapter 2, therefore, and that's, that's whenever you see therefore, you need to ask yourself, what is it therefore? It is there to remind us of what he just spoke of in the end of chapter 1, which says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ and be one. Therefore, since that, that's what he said, if is the next word, and that's really a key word too, if what? Well, if you have these things, then you really owe it to be united. Have what things? Well, here they are. Um, First of all, one thing that we have as followers of Christ Jesus is encouragement from Christ. So we pursue unity because of the extraordinary encouragement that we receive from Christ. That's number one. 
We pursue unity because of the extraordinary encouragement that we receive from Christ. Are you or are you not encouraged from Christ? Do you receive encouragement from him? Oh, that's all we get from him, this incredible patience, love. Now there's some correction included in there, but even that is beautiful because it's out of love, isn't it? All that we get from his him is love and encouragement. Again, Philippians 2, 1 and 2a, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete. John 14, 16, 18 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Christ continually encourages, strengthens, guards, builds up, calls, corrects. The list goes on and on. His spirit, his very spirit dwells in us, the Holy Spirit. And we receive this incredible gift. You know that uh, I think of the Israelites, and I, I always is baffled by how goofy they were, how little they followed through and obeyed. And yet I'm often the same way. And listen, you and I have an advantage. We have a great advantage. As his followers today, as saints... Part of our being set apart is the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. This is huge. We are not alone in this. Now, Satan wants us to forget that. He wants to to get us to where we're not cognizant of that beautiful reality and enjoying the full fruit of it. The encouragement of Christ is always with us. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Number two, we pursue unity because of the consoling love of Christ. All of us have challenges. All of us have uh, uh, painful, disappointing things in our lives. Some of us have to face more than others. But we all need that consolation, that consoling, beautiful tenderness of Christ. And it is there. Again, Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete. Romans 5, 5 says this. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Poured out. I I want to just encourage you, if you don't feel loved by your Savior, boy, you need to stop. Whatever you're doing, you need to stop. And you need to sit in his presence and worship him and read his word, read Read the first three chapters of Ephesians where it tells us all that we have as saints, as followers of Christ. 
read this chapter in Philippians. Read and be reminded. Again, Satan works overtime to get us to forget or not be aware of the incredible gift that is ours as the children of God. We have everything we need and more. Ephesians 1 says that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And the list goes on and on. It's beautiful. Number three, we pursue unity because of the fellowship of the Spirit. Um, Again, John uh, 17, 13 to 26 says, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Lost my place. There we go. Uh, Number three, we pursue unity because of the fellowship of the Spirit. Again, Philippians 2, 1. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. Again, this incredible reminder that his spirit dwells in us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And then Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Paul's prayer for them, but it is his prayer for all of us and the And the grace and beautiful presence and the love of the Lord is available. Then the fourth reason that we pursue unity is because of the affection and compassion of Christ. These are all pretty similar in a way. They all talk about the love, blessing of his presence. Again, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then make my joy complete. Colossians 3.12 says that so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We're chosen of God. Notice, Truly, with those incredible promises and realities of his presence and his love for us on a continual basis, even when we are foolish, even when we fail, he loves us. It would be heinous ingratitude for any Christian to receive these blessings that we just talked about from his generous hand and to live with disregard for, for his desire that we live in unity. Let me say that in a different way. It would be wrong for us to not be one 
when he has done so much and given us so much and when he loves us to the degree that he loves us. All right, so what does this unity look like? These are the marks of unity. Number one, united saints are like-minded. United saints are like-minded. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Our minds ought to always be on the goodness of God, on his word, on the truth. We ought to all be sharing that place, that mindset. I think of an orchestra when I think about this whole unity thing. Um, An orchestra is full of dozens of people who have different instruments. Each of them have have a different piece of music with different notes. Now, some of them will have the same, but many of them will have different. But all of them working together make for an incredible, beautiful experience of music if they work together. If there's someone in the group who decides, you know, I I don't like the way the conductor is leading this song. I think we ought to do it this way. And he goes off on his own. What does that do to the song? It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly quick. I remember when I was in high school, I had a duet. Uh, I was in this chamber choir and had a duet with a guy. And uh, I had been at a different school where I'd been taught, and I think I mentioned it last week, had this incredible instructor that taught us how to listen very carefully to the other person and match the intensity, match the the level, and fit together so that no voice stands out, but that you are one voice together. (laughs) This guy hadn't gotten enough of that kind of training. And when we went to perform, I think he really wanted to stand out. And boy, did he. Um, I, I... I was trying to just stay without, it was, it was awkward. And it wasn't as beautiful as it could have been. Romans twelve sixteen says, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And Romans 16, 5 and 6 says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. We will struggle to be together and work together and present the glory of Christ if each of us as individuals aren't Abiding in him. Each of us in our own strength, in our own power, in our own selfishness, and what we, we make a mess. But saints who are giving themselves to the king, abiding with him, submitting to him, listening for his call, listening for his voice, his direction. Seeking his glory, 
they can make a beautiful picture in our world. Number two, united saints maintain the same love for one another. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Whoa. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? Love one another as I have loved you. How is, how is the Lord's love for us? What's that like? It, it's incredible. It's total. Agape means unconditional. It is sacrificial. Do you love your brothers and sisters with sacrificial, unconditional love? That's a challenge. And I I stand before you admitting that for myself. That is a challenge. We'll talk more about how we get there. The United Saints maintain the same love for one another. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another in honor. Uh, we, are, we are taught in our culture that you've got to stand up for yourself. You've got to, you know... Make a way for yourself. You got to get get what what you can get while the getting's good, and that's not the way of our Savior. It is not what He calls us to. Deferring to others. Have you ever noticed that the person that you really enjoy talking to and having a conversation with? Have you noticed that they are usually asking you questions and letting you share your heart? The person that just, they never let you get in a word, they're just telling you all, that's not enjoyable. Now we're still called to love and be patient, and, and, uh, but that's not a fun conversation, is it, when you never get to have any input in the thing? Give deference to one another. Honor one another. Number three, united saints are united in spirit. Uh, the word that is, is used here in the Greek is sumpsuchus. And it means to live in selfless harmony with other believers. To have the same spirit. And again, this only comes when we are with Christ. His spirit flowing through us, his ways, when we are so abiding in him, thinking his thoughts, intent on making him known and blessing others, that's when we have a spirit that that can be joined with others, united with others in Christ, that is a beautiful thing. There was a tiny pygmy who was standing over a huge rhinoceros dead in the jungle. And a guy came up to him and said, Whoa! Did you kill this thing? And he said, Yes, yes, I killed it. And he he couldn't believe that this tiny pygmy had killed this incredible, huge rhinoceros. And he said, "Well, 
well, what did you use to kill it? And he said, my club. He said, whoa, that must be one big club. Where is it? He said, oh, my club is about a hundred of us. Number four, United Saints are intent on one purpose. They're intent on one purpose. In Christ, we have so much to pursue. We have so much to honor him with. Um, he, is, he has done so much for us. We ought to be intent on the same purpose of making him known, making the gospel known. You know, America, my heart aches. I'm, I'm one of those guys that's really patriotic. America, what an incredible gift it was that, that we got to live in America. And those of us that are older got to live in America when it was still really America. Uh, America was a fantastic experiment, the, the greatest experiment in human governance in the history of the world, truly. I think it was a blessing from God. I think he really anointed and uh, made a beautiful thing. It was an experiment that brought people together from all different nationalities, races, ethnicities. However, however, everyone came here to America and they were like-minded. They all came for the same reason. It's not like it is today when we're just welcoming anybody. It's not a problem that we're welcoming. It's that we're welcoming people and it doesn't matter what they believe in or what they want to see happen with the country. We were all united. In fact, we made sure that if somebody came here, that they understood what America was about, and they agreed, they pledged that they would live for that same intent purpose. That's what made America incredible. Everyone who came here was like-minded in the desire for liberty based on Judeo-Christian principles, free speech, Freedom to worship, limited government, personal responsibility, and self-determination. And by the way, if, if, if you believe something different, I'm really sorry that you were miseducated. This is the truth about what this country was founded to be. It's incredible. It was a beautiful gift. And again, the reason it was so special is because there was the united pursuit like-minded pursuit of these same things. I fear that America's lost, and that's all. I won't go any farther tonight because I could really get rolling. But listen, the same thing applies to us as followers of Jesus Christ, and it's even more important. It's way more important even than our incredible nation. We have a purpose We should not be just like anybody else pursuing our own personal pleasure and comfort. There is a purpose to lift the name of Jesus high, to reflect his goodness and his glory and his incredible transforming power by being one. Philippians 1.27 that we looked at last week says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for this faith of the gospel. I would suggest to you that a football team 
has many players with many different tasks. What makes them a winning team is having the same goal and working together to get there. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing. Oh, yeah. How to live. Sorry. A little distracted tonight. How to live saintly unity. How do we now make this happen? How do we live as one? Well, Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Those couple of verses challenge us to something that is rarely seen in this world. This is love. This is beautiful. When people do this, they make a difference. The first thing there is United Saints reject selfishness. And this is a continual challenge for us as human beings to, re- to reject selfishness. We are born selfish. We come out of our mother's womb. And if there's anything that's just uncomfortable for us, we're screaming and demanding that it get taken care of right from the start. David said in, in Psalm 51, when he was finally getting down to business and confessing his sin uh, with Bathsheba, he said, I was born twisted. I was born twisted and selfish. Forgive me, God. We were all born twisted and selfish. And as you well know, if you're honest with yourself, really have to be abiding in Christ to move away from that. It is very natural, very easy for us to just do what what we want. Philippians 2, 3a, do nothing from selfishness. You know, Satan placed his selfish will before submission to God. That's why he ended up where he was at, selfishness. Adam and Eve, they initiated sin in mankind by putting their selfish desires above God's command. He had one simple, one simple thing that he requested they not do. Otherwise, they had absolute freedom in the garden. Why would they do that? Selfishness. Romans 2, 5 to 8 says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds, to those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they're storing up wrath and indignation. Christ calls us to turn away from selfishness. Galatians 5, 19 and 20. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, and factions. All these things come out of selfishness. And this Christ calls us away from. 
Again, I would have you think of that orchestra. Someone's selfish and wants to stand out, they can ruin an otherwise beautiful thing. They must submit to the conductor for the sake of the whole. Number two, United Saints forsake empty conceit. Romans 11.25 says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. It's always, it's always a mistake to be wise in your own estimation. Proverbs 18.12 says that before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. Pride cometh before the fall. Number three, united saints embrace Humility of mind. Philippians 2.3, But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Again, this is really extraordinary. It's a simple little statement, but that is really extraordinary. To see other people and, and actually believe and say, they're more important than me. And again, it's the people that live like that Wow, you want to be around them because they treat you like you're something special. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus did just this. He laid aside all the glory that was rightfully his. He laid aside the benefits and the beauty and the comfort of heaven because you were that important to him. He suffered because he valued you. <clears throat> First Timothy 1.15, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. And 1 Peter 5.5, 5, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with Humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then number four, united saints do not merely look out for their personal interests. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And again, Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Again, if our incredible, majestic, almighty, omnipotent, omniscient, Creator God can humble himself. How can we not? <laughs> who, who are we that we can that we would not humble ourselves? And then finally, number five, united saints look out for the interests of others. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. And that same passage I just read, Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Have the attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. I had a beautiful example of 
this kind of love back uh, when I was in college. We had a softball team at the church that I was part of. My dad was pastor, and, and uh, we were very, very competitive, very good. And every year we battled with the Baptists. See, I was part of the missionary church then, but it was those hated Baptists that we always battled for number one in our church softball league. And this, this year, we were, we were there. We had a great team. And we were down by a run. And there were two outs. And we had a real good chance because we had a couple guys on base. But we were down to our last out. The coach of our team taught me a lesson of a lifetime that day. There was somebody really good that was supposed to be up to bat, and we had a chance to win this thing still. But there was this young man who was on our team, and he was horrible. His name was Archie, and Archie was so unathletic, it's Stunning. And I really wanted to win that game. And as we're there in that critical moment, the coach, Steve, stopped the guy that was heading to bat and he said, no, Archie hadn't been in the game yet. And Steve said, Archie, you're up. The rest of us on the bench just were absolutely stunned. How could he do this? The championship was right there. Sure enough, Archie came up to bat, and it was just an exercise in futility. The first pitch, it's slow pitch, and the pitch comes in, and he's got this really awkward swing and totally misses the thing. Strike one. The next pitch comes in and he totally misses the thing again. Strike two. And then God intervened. The third pitch came in in that same feeble swing, but he made contact. He made contact. And and the ball's going out towards the third baseman, but it's still... It's just this easy little dribbler to the third baseman. Now, the third baseman's having to charge because it's such a slow roll that he comes charging in. And he tries to grab the thing, and and somehow it slips. I'm, I'm pretty sure there were angels involved in this whole thing. He finally grabs the thing, and there's still time because Archie, run. He it just was, it was not a pretty thing. And the guy winds up, and he's in a hurry, and he throws that softball, and it flies over the first baseman's head and into the cornfield. And the two guys that were on both scored automatically. And we won that game. Archie...
Archie was a mistake in the eyes of his parents. And he always had this huge forehead, and it was always red. I found out, I I befriended Archie as best I could. Found out that his forehead was red because he would sit and bang his head against the wall. His life was a, it was a miserable, miserable, rough experience. I moved away from there when I, when I uh, finished college and uh, came out to Oregon. But I went back to visit my family. And we happened to just go to the mall in Fort Wayne, Indiana, just to, just to spend some time. And as I'm walking down the corridor of the, the mall, who should come walking towards me with his girlfriend, Archie. Archie at that time lived in a, in a home where they help people that are troubled. And, and, uh, and I saw him and, Archie! He jumped up and down. And the first thing out of his mouth, Steve, Steve, do you remember? Do you remember when I won the game? Do you remember when I won the game? Archie passed away a year later. That moment was the highlight of that man's life. It was the absolute highlight of that man's life. Because there was a man on our team that had the character and the heart of Christ. Instead of looking out for his interest, the interest of all the rest of us guys who had so much else going for us, just wanted to give Archie his moment. Oh, brothers and sisters, we've been given so much, so much. We have the privilege of making a difference in this world, but only if we obey the call of the Master to put aside our personal preference, put aside our selfish ambition, put aside our comfort and pleasure, and love. Amen. Oh, Jesus, that is exactly what you did. That is exactly what you did. You put aside all of heaven that we might taste forgiveness, hope, eternal life. You forever deserve all praise, honor, and glory. But I thank you, Lord, for this privilege that you have called us to honor you and bring attention to and glory to you, your name. Lord, have mercy on us. Help us not to just take this incredible gift for granted and waste the days we have remaining. Help us to love. Help us to be one in such a way that delights your heart and causes other people to stop and say, wow, 
I want some of that. Thanks again for being such a beautiful, awesome example of love. Thank you for leaving your spirit as a seal upon our hearts. And again, blessing us with so much. We plead with you now for help that we might honor you in your glorious, all-powerful name, Jesus. Amen.